0: Welcome to Kentucky History and Haunts. I'm Jesse Bartholomew, and today I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to talk about someone's life story, and I had heard this guy's name several times before, but I didn't really know the details about his life or the legacy he left behind, and he's really just a fascinating guy. So, you know, I will leave some things out. I try to just pick out, you know, some of the very most interesting things about him. This could have been a two-hour podcast if I really wanted to go all in. Um, so if you're curious about more, I will give some uh, sources at the end where you can find out more. But uh, for now, we'll just dive right in. So this is the story of Edgar Casey, who was born on March 18th, 1877, in Beverly, Kentucky, which is in Christian County, about seven or eight miles south of Hopkinsville. He was one of five children, and he was described as an independent boy in a free spirit, and he had lots of imaginary friends. Um, when he was three years old, he fell off a fence. He fell onto a board that had a nail sticking out of it, and unfortunately that nail just smacked right into his head and punctured his cranium. So his mom and dad ran over to him, his mom or his dad picks him up and pulls the nail right out of his head while his mother poured turpentine on the wound because that was a thing back then. So since then, some have speculated that this early head trauma may have given him his quote psychic abilities, but he gave all the credit to God. He took an interest in the Bible at a very young age. Uh, His parents would take him to revival meetings, and he really enjoyed stories from the Old Testament that involved paranormal or supernatural phenomena. In 1881, he witnessed the death of his grandfather, Thomas Jefferson Casey, who died in a horse accident. Um Thomas his grandfather actually lived with the family and he was they were very close. So he even taught Edgar things like how to fish and cut tobacco. And so after the accident Edgar's parents said they found him in the tobacco barn having conversations with his deceased grandfather. 3 years later he started school in Beverly and he realized and told his family he could absorb all the information in his school textbooks by sleeping on top of them. This is why he later gets the name, the nickname Sleeping Prophet. And this is when his parents are like, Oh man, we have got a very special son on our hands. Around that same time, he said a beautiful angel appeared in his room and and asked him what he wanted to do with his life. And he told her simply that he wanted to help people. Three years after that, he dropped out of high school around age 16. And shortly after that, they moved to Hopkinsville where things get crazy. So Edgar gets hired at Hopper Brothers bookstore and rumors quickly spread that he had special powers. He would loan out books that he claimed to have never read to friends of his. And then when the friends would finish the book and bring it back to the store to talk to Edgar about it, he would allegedly read their minds and tell them the plot of the books. It's also at this bookstore in Hopkinsville that Edgar met his future wife, Gertrude Evans, who was born on February 22nd, 1880. And on March 14, 1897, they got engaged, but they decided to wait to get married until Edgar was making enough money to support a family. So, very responsible. He briefly moved to Louisville in July of 1898 to work at J.P. Morton and Company Publishing Firm, um, but then decided to go back to Hopkinsville and start working with his father, Leslie, for an insurance agency. So, he he was traveling as a salesman of both insurance and books and stationery for J.P. Morton and Company. But all of this came to an end when he suddenly developed a severe case of laryngitis, rendering him practically voiceless. So, all he could do after that was, like, a soft whisper. Because of that, in the fall of 1900, he had to take a job as a photographer's assistant because it was a position where he wouldn't have to speak much. A huge moment in Edgar's life was in March of 1900 when a comedian hypnotist named Hart the Laugh King offered to hypnotize Edgar to help him regain his ability to speak. Which, side note, what a combination. Comedian slash hypnotist. That is some job title. So anyway, Edgar takes him up on his offer. And while under hypnosis, Hart found that Edgar could speak. But when he woke back up, his voice became weak again. So at this point, Edgar's like, okay, let me try something. So he puts himself into a trance like he did when he was sleeping on his school books with the help of a local hypnotist named Al Lane. Apparently, there were just hypnotists right and left back then. So he meets this guy, Al Lane. This guy helps him put himself under a trance. And while hypnotized, Lane asked Edgar what he thought was wrong with his voice. Edgar told him, he was suffering from a quote psychological condition producing a physical effect so he told lane that he needed to tell edgar once he was awake to increase blood flow to the affected areas so he wakes up and lane gives him these instructions and after it's all said and done edgar regained his voice In return for Lane helping Edgar figure out what was going on with him, Edgar is like, okay, now let's figure out what's going on with you. Lane was having some stomach issues. So Edgar goes back into a trance and is able to identify, like, what's going on with his stomach as well as give him advice on how to get better with exercise, diet change, and herbal remedies, which, I mean, hello, obvious, but... Just a week later, Lane's condition had already improved, and shortly after that, Edgar was like, all right, I'm going to take on more patients. So his philosophy became basically that he would use his gift to attempt to help people until even one of his readings turned out to be harmful to someone, and then he would never do it again. Spoiler alert, this day never came, I don't think. Um, He does readings his entire life so in may 1901 he started a job 60 miles away in bowling green at another bookstore but continues offering his services to those who need it so this is when we meet amy dietrich amy was five years old at the time and had suffered from a bout of influenza that had stopped her mind from developing and she was also having violent seizures so lane took notes While Edgar put himself into a trance and determined that Amy needed osteopathic treatment from Lane under Edgar's specific instruction. So Lane cared for the girl under Edgar's supervision and after a few weeks the seizures were gone and Amy's mental abilities were back to those of a normal five-year-old after three weeks. Edgar really wanted to go back to photography after this, but Lane was like, Hey man, you know, you have this power, you have a responsibility to keep seeing people who might benefit from it. So he agreed, but he didn't want to accept any money for his services. And as time went on, he realized that he could actually give readings just using a person's name and knowing their location. They didn't even have to physically be with him. His psychic abilities started getting media coverage, and soon people from all over the world sought his services, and local medical doctors were also starting to take an interest in studying him. He married Gertrude in June of 1903 in Hopkinsville. Lane had since moved elsewhere, and Gertrude had started taking notes on Edgar's practice and sort of became Lane's replacement. They moved to Bowling Green soon after, where Edgar opened a photography studio, which unfortunately caught fire both in 1906 and again the next year in 1907. And that's when he realizes, hey, maybe I should accept voluntary donations for my psychic services. So Edgar spends a little more time in Hopkinsville paying off debts from the fires. And then he moves to Alabama for a photography job before returning to Hopkinsville to be with his family and open yet another photography studio. On October 9th, 1909, the New York Times published a lengthy article about Edgar Casey's psychic abilities. And the year after that, he and his father, Leslie, homeopathic Dr. Wesley Ketchum, and a man named Albert Noe, create the psychic reading corporation so at this point he is committing to his psychic services more than ever before and giving daily readings on medical cases brought to him from all over his work gets even more recognition and uh, he and the others travel to chicago to give readings for the hearst chicago examiner Right around this time is when Gertrude gives birth to their to a child, Milton Porter, who died less than two months after his birth from whooping cough and colitis, and Edgar really blamed himself for not starting readings on his child and, like, anticipating the sickness. Not long after that, Gertrude contracted a severe case of tuberculosis, but Edgar did perform readings on her, and... And she was able to make a full recovery. In 1912, Edgar left his colleagues. He really didn't, he still wasn't comfortable with taking payment for readings. He took his family to Selma and opened yet another photography studio and they have another son in 1918. Over time, Edgar tried to work with other doctors, but none of them would carry out his orders for exact treatment. So at this point, he kind of gets this dream of opening his own hospital with doctors, nurses, and staff who would respect and follow his instruction. In 1923, the nature of Edgar's reading changed a bit when he was introduced to the concepts of astrology and reincarnation by a man named Arthur Lammers of Dayton, Ohio. He started visiting Lammers in Dayton and gave readings on metaphysical, astrological, and philosophical topics. And at this point, he really started focusing his efforts on opening that hospital after a reading on the wife of a wealthy New York businessman, Edgar got the investment he needed to open the Edgar Casey Hospital in Virginia Beach. And that lo- location was chosen during a reading. Uh, the hospital did not have any formally trained medical doctors on staff, but people were coming from all over the world anyway for readings and for treatment which is just crazy to me. Um, Casey's approach was often to look into past lives of his patients and then treat with things ranging from colonic irrigation to radioactive treatment, electrical treatment, and hydrotherapy. So, yikes. He also advocated smoking in moderation, the use of turpentine and kerosene, and recommended Jerusalem artichokes as a natural source of insulin. Some of his better theories were things like the relationship of the mind, body, and spirit in healing, and that man-made toxins could turn cancerous. Edgar expanded his philosophy by opening Atlantic University in 1930, but within two years, both the hospital and the university were out of commission. His investors had lost their money in the Great Depression, and he just didn't have the funding he needed to continue his ventures without them. In almost 30 years, Edgar had conducted over 14,000 psychic readings. On July 7, 1931, the Association for Research and Enlightenment was incorporated, that's A-R-E, Transcripts from his readings are housed there, and today ARE is a quote safe house for experimentation and education in holistic health care, extrasensory perception, meditation, spiritual healing, and life after death. On October seventh, nineteen forty-two, Edgar had his first grandson, who, according to his readings, was the reincarnation of Thomas Jefferson Casey, Edgar's grandfather. Towards the end of his life, so many people wanted readings from Edgar, he had to get an assistant, and that assistant was scheduling appointments two years in advance. Edgar Casey's biography, There is a River, was published in March 1943 by Thomas Sugru, and the next year, on September 17th, Edgar gave his last reading for himself. He passed away January 3rd, 1944, at the age of 67, and his wife Gertrude followed shortly after on April 1st, at the age of 65. Edgar's cause of death was said to be exhaustion from being overworked. Several other books have been written about the life and contributions of Edgar Cayce. The Cayce Hospital was resurrected in 1956 to continue psychic research. The Edgar Cayce Foundation was created in 1992 and archived over 14,000 readings. His followers claimed that he, quote, "...pioneered great advances in the fields of psychology, education, and theology." In 1979, the Journal of the American Medical Association recognized Edgar Casey as "quote the father of holistic medicine." For this episode, I used a lot of information from EdgarCasey.org, which is a really great website if you're interested more in what they do now and um, just their their treatments and things. It's a really interesting site. So I would recommend checking that out if you're curious. I also use the books Myths and Mysteries of Kentucky by Mimi O'Malley and Susan Sawyer and Haunted Kentucky by Alan Brown. And that, my friends, is the story of Edgar Casey. If you have a topic that you'd like me to cover on the show, uh, please send an email to kyhistoryhaunts at gmail.com. Also, while you're at it, follow the Instagram page, at kyhistoryhaunts, and the Facebook page, Kentucky History and Haunts. And I just wanted to also thank you guys so much for listening. Um, It's crazy that people are actually listening to all the episodes. And I'm just so happy because I've really been enjoying doing this and I want to keep doing it. But I'm only going to continue if people keep listening. So please continue to share and subscribe and review. It helps me a whole lot. So I really appreciate you guys and I will see you next time.